Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, and this is show number 17. And yes, that song was jamming. Gavin, we're going to pick one of these weekends. You're going to let me sing. Stop muting my mic here because that is definitely a sing-along song. Just remember that even if I don't mute your mic, I can still go in and cut it out before it broadcasts. So. And Gavin, you know what? When we get the show on TV, they'll see us dancing. They'll see us grooving here in the studio Saturday morning. And I'm excited. That song was selected by my guest, Dr. Dina Stevenson. She will be up in the next segment. Dr. Dina is a good friend of mine, and she's also a professional developer that comes into schools uh, and works with administrators. Uh, We've known Dr. Dina now two years, and she does a great job uh, with us, working uh, with us in uh, Port Jervis High School and all the principals in Port Jervis schools. Uh, working with the principal. So we're going to meet Dr. Dina in just a little bit. So we're excited. We're going to meet Dr. Dina in the next segment. Again, this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We are on the following stations, Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, and Wall Radio on the following frequencies, 94.1 FM, 94.9 1057 and 1061, all in the FM and 1340 AM and 101.5 HD2. Excited about today's show. Before we get started with our concept for today's show, a couple shout outs. I had the opportunity last weekend to be at the Fall Foliage Festival in Port Jervis and uh, met a couple of the fans of the show and a couple of folks that were interested in my new book, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving. So a shout out to Frank from Middletown, who listens on Wall Radio. My man Chip Estevez, who gives the strongest handshake in town in the Orange County area. And one of my former students, Bobby Gullah, listens to the show over in Westfall, Pennsylvania at Advanced Auto Parts. So a shout out to uh, some of our friends of the program. But we want to get started, and today's show is about feedback. One of the things uh, working with Dr. Dina is giving effective and efficient feedback. We've learned a lot from Dr. Dina over the years, and and she's helped with that. So I included a couple of the concepts in the book. Number 55 in the book, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving. I'm just going to read a short portion of it. It says, when you give feedback to teachers, be specific and constructive. Not just good job, not just great to see you today but marked feedback in a timely fashion. A quick email, a short note in their mailbox, a walk down the hall goes a long way towards showing that you care and you're paying attention. My team likes to say two wows and a now, meaning one or two positive points with one or two things that they can improve upon or try differently. That is what the teachers want and expect from you. Be present. Help each of them to be their best. Yes, some might joke about leaving them alone and they are masters of their domain or claim that you are trying to micromanage, etc. But in my many years of experience, I have learned that most teachers do want respectful, constructive feedback. So make it a point to make the time. So whatever your role is, a parent, wherever you work, if you're the boss, if you are a just an employee there where maybe you're receiving the feedback, but we all have bosses, we all get feedback. Uh, And that's a couple of the things that we've been working on uh, with our good friend, Dr. Dina, who we're going to meet up next segment. But it's about feedback. So I summarized it in that point. But here are the points. If you want to jot them down, 
Evel, if you're at home listening uh, with your coffee there, but in giving feedback, family members, friends, people you work with, here's a couple great points. Number one, it's got to be timely. You certainly don't want to jump on the person immediately after their presentation or after whatever it is uh, that you witnessed. You want to give them a little time, but you can't wait too long. You want it to to be evidence-based. It shouldn't be all about your opinion. What exactly happened? What are you trying to tell them? Evidence-based. Specific. For those that know me, they know I referee. And how you get into the referee business is you have to go try out. One of the things that always bothered me was when someone just pats me on the back and says, good job. Well, I'm not going to get better by hearing good job. I want to hear specifically some of the things that I did. So give specific feedback. Non-judgmental. Shouldn't make them feel bad about what's happening. If, if it's negative in nature, there's a way to say it positively. There's a way to say it without uh, making the person feel bad. Along those lines, find something positive. It shouldn't be all negative if there are uh, a lot of areas of improvement. Find a way to say it positively. Dr. Dina does a great job with that, working with the uh, principals and administrators, not just at Port Jervis, but all around New York State. Ask the person what they thought about it. You know, you might have an opinion on it. You, you, you saw it, but say, hey, what did you think about this point? And let them be the ones that might recognize maybe there was areas of improvement. So let them speak. It shouldn't be just a one-way conversation. And lastly, your feedback should be attainable. If you're going to teach a five-year-old, say, hey, I want you to dunk the basketball, that's going to be a tough, tough goal for them. And no matter what the feedback is, that's unattainable unless, uh, you know, we got superstars coming up uh, in the ranks. But that's a tough situation. Giving good feedback is certainly an important part of leadership Uh, with, again, whether it's family, friends, or people that you work with. So the flip side of that is, what if you're on the other end of the feedback, receiving feedback? Again, as I talked about last week with the book and, and, uh, you know, the different areas of creativity, we talked about uh, reading blogs and reading uh, um, different articles, listening to podcasts to get ideas. So I did stumble upon leadership freak, Dan Rockwell. And Dan has an article about feedback, so you could find that on his blog, Leadership a Freak, and if you just punch that in the internet. But are you the other person on the, uh, on the other end? Dan writes about, what about resisting feedback? If you're on the other end of, of the feedback, he writes, the person might tell a long story. They start crying. They shut down. They change the subject. They blame others for their performance. They discount the value that none of this just none of this matters where they don't believe what you're saying. So when you're receiving feedback, are you a per- person that resists that? Again, in all areas of our life, not just in our professional lives, how do you receive the feedback? So those are some things that people might do if they resist uh, the feedback that you're giving. So Dan further goes on to talk about effective ways to receive the feedback. So if you're receiving the feedback, what are some ways that you could do that in a positive and effective manner? Dan writes, feedback is a gift when it comes from someone who is committed to your success. Don't wait for feedback. Seek it. The feedback that you don't like is the most useful. A lot of times you might not want to hear what someone's saying, 
But deep down, if the person's trying to help you, it's probably pretty good stuff. Say thank you when you whenever you receive feedback uh, in any form. The giver is trying to be helpful. Honor them. Assume that the feedback is valid, even if it feels wrong. Ask, why don't you think this feedback is useful or important? And ask, what suggestions do you have for me? Even if you don't want suggestions, ask for them. And these are some ways that you can positively receive feedback. Again, that was from uh, uh, The Leadership Freak, and you can find that online. Another thing uh, we learned from our good friend, Dr. Dina, who's coming up in the next segment, is the concept of inspecting what you expect. She had said that to us multiple times, and it rang true in my ears. And, you know, as the leader, as the person in, in charge, you can't just say, I want these things to happen and assume 100% that they're going to happen. You have to inspect what you expect. So on page 89 of my book, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving, I write tip number 80, and here it is. If you have expectations for certain things in your building, and as a principal, you better, then you need to inspect what you expect. Teachers in the hallways, at the bell, sitting in the first 10 rows at faculty meetings, staff to attend certain night events. When you have an expectation, you need to inspect during events to make sure that you that what you are requested is happening. I learned this from my friend, Dr. Dina Stevenson, through our professional development sessions with PLC Associates. I am often reminded that this isn't my dad's pharmacy. In the old days in Staten Island, if there was a problem with someone or something in dad's small place of business, he could very easily just let that person go. He had some people move on, but mostly, he worked with a small number of people over the life of the pharmacy. I go on to tell a fantastic story, but it's a little too long for my show, so you'll have to get the book to hear the story. But I end that section with, when you follow through on your expectations, not only are you making sure demands are met, but you also show your staff that they need to take you and themselves seriously. Requests need to be clear with measurable results. Inspect what you expect. So. Whether you're a leader in your job, whether you're an employee there, whether it's your family, uh, your personal life, that's a great thing that you could stick in your pocket. Don't just say something and expect it to happen. You want to check that it's happening. And if it is, if it's happening in, happening in a great way, you provide that feedback that we just talked about. If it's not, you have to uh, certainly speak to the people involved, give that feedback to them in a way that's going to be productive and uh, that will be received well. So to recap, giving feedback, do it in a timely manner, evidence-based, non-judgmental, be specific, find something positive to say. It couldn't have been all that bad. Ask the person what they thought about it and make sure your feedback is attainable. And again, you can find these concepts in my book, The Principle Surviving and Thriving. We are up against the commercial break. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving on WDLC, WYNY, and Wall Radio. We will be right back with my good friend, Dr. Dina Stevenson. Whatever you want, take me right away.
And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is show number 17, and I'd like to welcome in our guest for today's episode, Selecting That Deep Song, Doc. That was great. Uh, my good friend, Dr. Dina Stevenson, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Doc, I'm a busy person. I do a lot of running around. I think I met someone that's almost as busy, if not busier than me. You, you, you're a busy, busy lady. You know what? I'm busy, but it's productive. It really is. And I'm, ex- I'm excited to just take a slice of my day, a slice of my 14, 40 minutes of the day to be here with you on your show. Well, and I appreciate you making the time. As I stated uh, in the first segment, Dr. Dina, uh, I got to know her through uh, her work with our school in the Port Jervis School District, working with the principals, coaching the principals through PLC Associates. So, Doc, tell me about your role uh, with PLC. Not only do you come to Port Jervis and help the principals, you work all over New York State. So tell us about that role that, that you do going into schools and what is it that you do for the principals? You know, as a former principal, I think there's no I don't think I know there's a need for coaching for principals. Teachers get coaching. Um, students get coaching. But principals by far don't get enough coaching. And so I, we have some side by side coaching, as you know, with principals to support them on just the day to day ins and out of running a building, but mostly about becoming instructional leaders or perfecting the instructional leadership aspect of the job, because that's far Probably the most important aspect of the principalship is being an instructional leader because we got to focus on those kids in the classroom. And even just today, we're pre-recording. It's Saturday morning now, but uh, Dr. Dina was with us this week. Even just today, we had some people running around we had to address. And you keep bringing us back to that instructional leadership. And uh, like I talked about in the first segment, that giving feedback, you know, you've helped us so much with that. Doc, Coming into uh, the schools and working with the principals, tell me about how is it that you you know what they need or you, you figure out how long does it take you to kind of see what that school is all about? Honestly, Andrew, I think once you walk into a building, you get a feel for a building right away. Uh, you get a feel for the culture of the building. It starts at the front desk. It starts with whoever the person is that's greeting you at the front desk in the main office, the handshake of the principal, the, the uh, speaking to students in the hallway, you get a feel going into that first classroom, that first one or two classrooms as to is education key? Is this a student center building or is this an adult center building? And so far often, I know that I'm probably not going to come back to a building just by the vibe that I get when I come through the front door. And so if I'm feeling that more often than not, parents are feeling it as well. And that's uh, that's great perspective, Doc, because we want people to feel comfortable. We want students and, and guests to feel comfortable. Uh, but your, your training for us, your coaching has been so valuable because, again, whether you're an educator or not in your field, we've all had one time trainings, whether they were great or not so great, it's kind of like a flash in the pan, whereas you're providing something a little bit different where it's been recurring uh, and it's been very powerful for us. Doc, again, we hit it off as soon as we met. How about when it might not be so receptive with, with the principals? How do you how do you tackle that? Well, because my job and my role is to coach you 
to, you know, take you from either mediocre to good or good to great. Um, the resistance I don't take personally because the principalship is such a lonely position. I mean, if you think about it, you're in a building, you may, if you're fortunate, you may have maybe one or other two leaders with you, but far often it's just you. And so for those instances where there is some resistance, I address it. Uh, you know me. I I address the pink elephant in the room. I am not going to uh, try to coach you or coach past your resistance. I get to the bottom of what, what why there is resistance. And more often than not, it's trust. They just don't trust the process. They don't trust that coaching model because, unfortunately, um, in education, we 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 educate in a silo. And so me as an outsider Sometimes leaders think that I'm there as a person to report back, to tell what they're what they're doing or what they're not doing. And so once I can get past that trust, I typically don't have resistance after that. Well, and uh, we talked about feedback. You know, it's a gift when it comes from someone who is committed to your success. And we felt that instantly with you. And uh, we built that trust. I mean, our teachers are comfortable with you now. Even the students today, you met some of our students and uh, this instant respect, like we opened the song. We Absolutely. Were singing, singing Love that song. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been great. Doc, you mentioned you were a principal and actually before that you were a medical doctor. The, you know, people work their whole lives to become a medical doctor. Did it not work for you? Did you, you did you not like it? What, what made you switch? Um, it, it worked well. Um, that's the beauty of it. It worked well. Um, it was a goal that I had set for myself. Um, I'm a goal-oriented individual. I've always been that way. Always set. I didn't even know they were called SMART goals when I was setting goals as a child. Um, I was great in math and science, and so I decided to you know pursue a career in medicine. But after... I pursued that career and had a pretty successful career in it. I had other goals. And because this life that we live, it's not dress, it's not dress rehearsal. We only get one shot at it. I had to then begin to pursue my other goals. And my other goals were, were teaching, were um, helping people in business. And so that's what I'm doing now. And so I know people look at me and they go, you're absolutely crazy. You left a flourishing career in medicine to teach. Yes, because that's what I wanted to do. That was another goal of mine. And, um, and I'm, I'm literally living the dream right now. I really am because I could always fall back on that, but I doubt very seriously if I ever will. Okay, and we're going to talk about your uh, your outside business in our next segment. Um, so you then you became a principal, and now you're a coach of principals. Doc, the name of this show is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, and we've had on all kinds of guests. We've had superintendents, we've had doctors, we've had, we're going to have the chief of police on here coming <laughs> uh, soon. We're going to have our head football coach on next week. What are some of the things that you've seen? You've seen leaders all over New York State. What are some of the characteristics that you're seeing of, of effective principles? Patience. Patience is definitely key. They have to like what they do. They have to enjoy it. They have to uh, be great listeners. Because sometimes as leaders, um, I can recall instances where I did a lot of talking and not too much listening. And when I began to listen to the needs of my staff, when I began to listen to the needs of my students, that's when things started to change. And so I'm noticing that those leaders who are patient with their staff, they understand that, that they come to work with issues. 
They come to work with issues. They they have lives. They have families, and they have to be responsive to that. And the same with their kids, with their students. Those are the most effective leaders because they realize that that job it's 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 a career. It's a profession, but it's a profession dealing with people. And when you can get to realize that that is the key, that you're dealing with people that have all of this baggage, your leadership will be effective. All of this that I'm coaching you guys with is just, it's just a matter of fact. When you know that at the heart of everything, it's about people, it's a piece of cake. It really is. (laughs) It's all about the people and about the relationships. And you have relationships all over New York State uh, again. And when you came in, We've had trainers and, and different people we met, and it's just like, man, what, what, how, how did this person become a trainer? But <laughs> it, it took us very quickly to realize, wow, you're, you're the real deal. Doc, we have uh, two male principals or, you know, an assistant principal and one, and one female. But, you know, it's certainly in, in years ago, not so much now, but at the upper levels, it's generally there seems to be more males than not elementary. There seems to be more women. Have you ever felt like you know, guys giving you a hard time walking into the, the boys club where it was a, a male dominated school? And, they, you know, did you ever experience that? Well, I'm going to go back to practicing medicine. I practice medicine in a small town in Georgia um, and I practice uh, with seven men. And I was the only woman. <laughs> and I felt it. You know, several uh, many years ago, I'm not going to tell you how long ago because you can calculate probably how old I am, but it was difficult because, number one, I was a new kid on the block, and then I was the only woman in the practice. And so I don't say, I, I won't say I was mistreated, but I think I had to, I had to prove myself. You know, as we, you know, look now, I don't I don't really have that issue. I think a lot of it, a lot of the respect that I get is when I speak, when I, I, I say what I mean, I mean what I say. And I build that trust immediately. If and, you know, you you've seen it in sessions. If I see someone who doesn't appear to want to be engaged with the group. I assist them in getting engaged, male or female, but it's through love. It's out of love. It's out of respect because ultimately, um, just like a coach, we don't have to like each other, but understand that I'm going to coach you to greatness, um, either kicking and screaming, us locking arms um, along the way, because the ultimate goal is to make sure that students are successful. So it's a long answer to a short question, but I've experienced it in medicine, not so much in education. And Doc, you know, the feedback talking about, um, you know, earlier we talked about, what is some of the feedback that you get, I mean, we had to do evaluations on you and, 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 you know, not just our school, but other schools, you know, you have a boss, you know, Penny uh, is the boss of the, the company. You know, what is some of the feedback that she provides you? Cause like you said, you bring that person that might not be engaged, but you've always done it with a smile. You, you no one ever felt like you were scolding them, you know, and you, you just the way you did it. So what is some of the feedback that you hear with the jobs that you do? I think the biggest piece is making assumptions. And, you know, we say we all know what happens when you make when you assume. But a lot of the feedback that I'm given is that I've made assumptions that people know certain things. 
And I'm just going to give you an example. I was working with a school leader um, closer to um, upstate New York. And I know that was the person who gave the feedback because I assumed that this gentleman who had been in this position for several years knew how to, to look at data and, and look at it in a way that um, was going to move students. And so I, I didn't spend a lot of time with him coaching him on that. And his biggest um, concern or piece of feedback that he gave me directly and also gave to um, my supervisor was that I wasn't patient enough with him. And because of that, that was the reason that their scores didn't move as quickly as they should have. And, you know, initially, you know, I didn't I didn't practice what I preached because I was a little offended by it because my Perception was, well, you've been in this position for a long time. This is something that I assumed that you knew. But as soon as I said the word assume, it like it hit me. It was like I ran into a brick wall. That was it. Because I realized Mm -hmm. I am not practicing what I'm preaching. And so this was early into um, my uh, role in PLC. But it got me. I was happy that it was early because it got me to realize I don't make any assumptions about anyone um, that I come in contact with, whether you this is day one on the job for you or you are uh, counting down the days to retirement. I am going to coach you like you are new to the game and I'm not going to make assumptions until you tell me otherwise. Oh, I already know that. And then we can move on. So that was probably the biggest piece of feedback that I was able to get. And I, and I welcomed that because I, um, I made some assumptions based upon the amount of time this individual was in his profession. And I shouldn't have because um, it was obvious in the end that he needed a little more support than um, I was willing to give him because of my assumption made. You said that here about uh, effective leaders, patience, and you you put it into play. One of the sections in the book, Doc, that I wrote about is, is meet them where they're at. You know, everyone's at a different level. And yeah, like you said, they might be doing a job for a long time, but maybe they don't have that tool in their toolbox. And Absolutely. You're there to help give it Absolutely. to them. Absolutely. So yeah. I am not, I don't know what's in their toolbox. I'm going to act as if there's nothing in their toolbox and I'm going to give them all the strategies and tools that they need to be successful. We are going to be right back. Today's show, my friend, Dr. Dina Stevenson. This is Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. WDLC, WYNY and Wall Radio. We'll be right back with Dr. Dina. Do you want to be great? 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 It's time to shift the culture, move with focus. Rise above and lose the vultures. And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, and this is show number 17 with our guest today, Dr. Dina Stevenson. And that question said, do you want to be great? Well, Doc is, is more than great. She's been a medical doctor. She's been a principal. And now she is a professional coach and the owner of her own business, Dr. Dina Enterprises. Doc, how do, how do you how do you do it all? Tell me about this. Uh, tell me about this business. Uh, the the business was birthed out of hearing so many people say they don't have time. 
I don't have time to do uh, the things that I want to do. You know, I'm going to have to wait until I retire to do those things. And I started to figure out, well, how much time do we all have in a day? And that's where I got the 1440. I'm like, there's 1,440 minutes in a day. And so then I started to think about people who I look as successful and that I know they don't have more minutes in the day than I do. They don't have more minutes in the day than the next person. We all have 1,440 minutes in a day. And started having conversations deeper conversations with those individuals who said, I really want to be able to to start a business. I want to be able to um, earn some additional income. I want to be able to take my passion and turn it into, you know, some source of income, but I want to be able to do it from home. And I started to ask people, well, why don't you? Well, I just don't have the time. Yeah, you do have the time. And um, that's literally how Doc Dina Enterprises was birthed. I began to coach people literally with the minutes in their day. They take a, a 1440 challenge where they have to document every minute their day. Kind of similar how I do with the principles. And you have to show me. They, they do it for about seven to 10 days. It just depends on the, the time that I have with the individual. And they, they track their minutes and how they're using them. And what people realized is they waste a lot of time. There is enough time. It's in a, it's, there isn't a lack of resources and that resource meaning time. It's, that, it's just that they're not being resourceful with it. Where does it go? Where do they waste it? Where are the uh, time suckers out there? Television, mm. social media. Mm. Oh my God, social media is probably the, the biggest culprit. Um, talking on the phone, going to the grocery store and not going in and out, going to the mall to get something and not just going in for a purpose and coming out. Just waste, just time wasting that there, it's time suckers that you just can't get back. And so once people see that, I say, listen, you have two hours here you could have taken to start putting your business plan together. Here's another hour over here. People waste time at work on lunch. Why can't you be writing out your business plan when you have that 45 minutes to an hour of lunch? And so what people realized and what I realized is this is a business concept that I could really use to help people launch their businesses, uh, you know, start some type of foundation. I mean, I, I, I work with all kinds of people. I work with people who, who want to be coaches themselves, any you know, professional coach, people who want to write a book, who say they don't have time to write the book. That sounds familiar, right? <laughs> um, people who want to um, retire early, but know that, you know, in this financial situation that some people are in, they just don't have the funds. And so I'm like, no, you do. You do have the funds because you have this passion of yours. You sing. You do unspoken word. You, I mean, there's so many things that people do. You, you knit. You love animals. You can walk someone's dog. There's so many things that people can do. I launched Doc Dina Enterprises, and basically it is a business. I'm a, I'm a business and income strategist. I, tell, I show people the strategies that they, that they need to, um, to launch that business, to launch that, um, that additional income. 
when I say I'm living a dream, I'm living a dream. <laughs> I, I can sense the, the energy in you and your smile. Doc, how could they find you if, if so, a listener says, you know what, I want to give Doc Dean a call. What, what's the best way for them to contact you? They can contact me. They can go right to my website. It's dinastevenson.com. You know what? They can call me. That's whoa. yeah, whoa, because that's that is just how whoa. took me a year I, to get her number. <laughs> I, you guys got it one day. Holy. They can contact me at 716-310-4536. Man, you put yes. the number out. The on number the, is out there. You know, I got that's how passionate I am. I got team Stevenson here. I know your husband Bert's listening, your children, Michael and Maddie. You just put the number out there. It's out there. It's, it's, out. it's my personal cell. <laughs> That's great. And uh, I know your family's proud of you, and I can't wait to uh, watch your daughter on the courts. Maddie, keep practicing those uh, jumpers. Uh, Doc, I noticed on your, your website, again, not only the personal coaching, the, the advice, the, the guidance, there's a lot of health components there. Yes. You know, where, tell me about that. Again, your medical background. Tell me about the health products. Well, you know, practicing medicine, uh, writing prescriptions, far often, Andrew, I knew that once I wrote a prescription, I knew my patient was going to come back to me with some symptoms that were really elicited from the medication that I was giving them. So I give them a medication for one symptom, understanding that I'm probably going to have to write a script for another uh, prescription because of the side effects. And didn't like that. I just did not like that. I mean, my energy is starting to change because um, just thinking about the side effects of so many pharmaceutical um, meds that are out there. And got decided once I was no longer in medicine, I still wanted to be able to align myself with um, some products that could help people either lose weight, people could lose weight, feel energized and just be healthier. And so that's what those products are. I've aligned myself with a, a company with some health and wellness products called Total Life Changes. I'm 57 pounds lighter because of it and just ran my first half marathon mm-hmm. and I'm addicted. I have a new addiction. It's called mar- half marathons. <laughs> Under two hours, right? Under two hours. Your first one. My first half marathon under two hours when I tell you it was an emotional I was telling you earlier it was an emotional experience but you're a goal setter you just you just went and did it set a goal yeah yeah. that's good for you you and your husband did that doc talking about all this stuff because I I'm doing this now I got the book the radio show and I am definitely budgeting my time but one of the sections I write in the book is is called my old blue chair we got the soul music going today when I when I when I uh did my show I played some country music. Kenny Chesney's called My Old Blue Chair, and it's a place that he goes to relax. He writes his songs where he decompresses. Where in your advice with people coaching them, where do you where do they build that time to to take a break and, and catch your breath? Where do you do that? Oh, it's necessary. It is it is so necessary. And that is another element of the 1440 challenge that when I'm Looking at the days that they've tracked their time, I'm noticing that there's never any me time. Uh, they're not they're not doing anything alone. They're not doing anything, even if it's just a 20 minute in a prayer closet. If it's, you know, in the shower, having some time for some uplifting, motivational, an audio or music, it's necessary. And so I build that in. Because people will say, I don't have time. Well, 
you probably are taking showers alone for the most part. So you can build it in at that point. Um, when you're driving to work, instead of listening to the radio, put on a motivational, some something uplifting. You Because if you're not selfish with at least a portion of that 1440, you're not going to be good to it for anyone else. And so that's why I'm so excited about this, uh, this training for these half marathons, because that is me time that I don't, I didn't necessarily get in the past. Cause once again, I can tell you what to do, but, but now I'm able to practice when I'm preaching. And so part of that 1440 challenge for people, in addition to spending that time writing that book or launching that business it is you have to spend about 10% of your day, at least 10% of your day being selfish. You have to be. It's just you have to demand it. I talk with my wife a lot. You know, when you're on the airplane, they say, if there's an emergency, take the mask down and put your oxygen mask on first. You got to take care of your You do. Yeah. But far too yeah. often when we're go-getters, we're always going and getting for other people. And we sometimes forget about the, the man in the mirror. Well, I'm so happy to hear you say some of these things. I Just this past uh, month, I, I decided I put my phone, I charged my phone downstairs now. My good friend Kevin Spanauer. So because I was on social media, I was doing, I'm in bed. I got the, I don't want the screen in the bed. Uh, we got rid of cable. We, we have just the fire stick now. And every once in a while, my wife and I will watch a show. But uh, those are great things. Again, that time, you're never getting that time back. You're never, it's, it's the one commodity that you can never get back. And we waste so much of it. Mm. Thinking that we have another 1440 to spare. This is good stuff uh, today. Doc, we're going to be up uh, against a commercial break. Uh, I, I want to, I'm going to call this my rapid fire section. So I want you to go quick here okay. because we, we talked about so many things, but we're running out of time. Rapid fire. What's the last book you read? The Compound Effect by Brian Tracy. Oh, we have to talk off air. Okay. <laughs> nonfiction. No, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's nonfiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Last movie you saw? Girls Trip. There you go. A little decompression. <laughs> Last thing you recently did, well, I think I know your answer, that, that got your adrenaline going. Yeah, that half marathon yeah. did it for me. You're pumped. Mm-hmm. You talking to my sister. <laughs> Suzanne, are you listening, Paul? Where are you going to be in five years? It's interesting that you say that. I just wrote my five-year plan. I wrote a letter to myself, and this is something that I would suggest that you do. Yeah. I wrote a letter to my future self. Okay. And- it's going to be big. Okay. I, it's it's going to be huge. Doc That's Dina. all I can say. <laughs> back to the future over here. We're going to be right back with Doc Dina. We have a couple minutes left in our last segment. Uh, this is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We will be right back. Very superstitious Right in the 
And welcome back, everyone. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. Show number 17. This is Andrew Murata. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Had a great time with our guest, Dr. Dina. We'll be right back to Dr. Dina. Quick recap of the opening segment. It was about giving feedback in your role as a parent, in your role as a friend, in your role in your job. Giving uh, feedback to others is, is, a, is a great skill and one of the things Dr. Dean has coached us with. So number one, timely. Number two, evidence-based. Be specific. Number three, be specific. Number four, find something positive to say. Number five, do it in a non-judgmental way. Number six, ask the person, what did they think about blank? What was it that they thought about uh, the performance or their situation? And last, attainable. Set that bar high, but not that high that they can't reach it with your feedback. So that's what we talked about. A lot of those concepts are in my book. You can find a copy of the principle, Surviving and Thriving, on my website, andrewmarada.com or on Amazon. This is the final portion of our show. It is a email portion or Twitter portion that you could send in a question. You can email in the show at andrew at neversinkmediagroup.com or on Twitter, send in your questions at andrewmarada21. So we did get a question sent in this week for Dr. Dina. Uh, the question is about, Doc, what are, you're all over New York State. You're in hundreds of classrooms uh, a year. You're seeing great teaching. What are three of the best things that you see happening in classrooms that, that are great for kids? Oh, I'm seeing so many great things. I think the the primary thing that I'm seeing across New York State is teachers sharing with students what it is that they want them to learn for that particular day. You know, we call it learning targets and um, the educational sector, but it is it is what is it that you're going to learn so that when you go home and your parents ask you, what did you learn today in school, they can tell their parents, I learned this particular item, and they they even know how they're going to be tested on it. A second thing that I'm seeing in tons of classrooms are teachers checking to make sure whether or not students are actually learning and and they're on target. And a lot of it is with students being engaged with one another, various techniques, uh, turn and talk to your partner, uh, think, pair, share, and just getting students to become more cooperative learners and engaged in their own learning. And the third, I mean, I'm seeing so many things, but that third item is beginning to ask students questions and not just those low level questions, but those higher order questions, as we call them, where students oftentimes may not have the answer immediately. And it's okay. The teacher's okay with that. But it's thought provoking that they are talking about it in the cafeteria. They're talking about that question on the bus, because those are the types of questions that really engage students in the learning process. And um. So if I if I'd had to summarize, it would be teachers, you know, sharing the learning target of the day, checking to make sure that students actually understand what it is that they're being taught. And finally, um, asking those higher order questions to get students to think beyond the realm of just those rote yes, no responses. That's great stuff, Doc. And uh, I know uh, our teachers in Port Jervis so proud of the work they're doing and 
the engagement in the classroom, and you've been a big help to us. Doc, one quick last question. With all the time and the organization stuff that you do, it must drive you crazy when you see the kids, their book bags all over the place, they're unorganized. You know, do you do stuff to, to help kids with their time management? That might be another component of the, <laughs> I the think business. I think I've just launched another business yeah. while on this show. But, you know, Dr. I... Dr. Dina for teens. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I have a 13-year-old at home who is probably the least organized in our house. It's the same. Because social media, think about it, your own children. I don't know if they have access to social media yet, but my daughter would much rather communicate with me via Snapchat (laughs) than having a conversation with me. And so that's a time cruncher. And so we have time in our in our home where the phones have to go into a, a basket um, in the front of our house. And until homework is done and until rooms are clean, you can't be on your phone. I love it. Dr. Dina at home. Oh, Gavin, you jumping in here. Yes. I'd love it if you'd come into our office building and enact <laughs> that same rule with the basket where phones can go in it and go off. Yeah. <laughs> Taken away from the business here. Dr. Dina, last, uh, real quick, again, you gave so much great advice about personal coaching, uh, the time management. If someone wanted to get in touch with you again, what would be the best way for them? Well, I'm not going to give my number again. So you, <laughs> if you came on it <laughs> after, after listen you on, didn't hear listen on demand. You have to listen it on demand man, but you can go to dinastevenson.com and get more information. And Doc, you did a great job uh, again, and I hope some of our listeners do contact you. Education, leadership, and beyond, you're doing uh, great things. So we're going to end our show before we do have our ending quote. Next week's guest, we have our big homecoming football game for Port Jervis, the Bell game. We are going to have on Coach Matt Polanis who coaches the uh, Red Raiders, and uh, we're looking forward to having Coach on. And today's quote was about feedback. And again, you want to ha- open your ears, open your eyes, and today's quote, the feedback that you don't like is likely the most useful. The feedback you don't like is likely the most useful. So I hope to get some feedback from today's show. Hit me up on email, andrew at com. And also on Twitter, at Andrew Murata 21 This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, signing off. Go out and change the world for the better, everyone. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.